Okay, what am I watching here? Uh, so they, every year, Manatee Springs has a fruitcake toss uh, shortly after Christmas, usually in January time frame. And uh, the whole community, Colorado Springs and towns around, come out to watch people throw fruitcake. Harry Lundy and I are watching a video he posted to YouTube back in 2013, shortly after he moved to Colorado Springs. He was capturing the raucous event in nearby Manitou Springs known as the Great Fruitcake Toss. It all started back in 1996 when a group of locals faced an all-too-familiar problem. It's early January and the holiday season is officially over. The decorations have been taken down and stored. The leftovers have all been eaten. But one item remains, untouched, unwanted, and, to many, unpalatable. That dense, sticky fruitcake with its neon green and red cherries, its alcohol-infused flavor, so sweet it makes your teeth ache just by looking at it. And where had it even come from? Maybe someone brought it along to a party? Maybe old Aunt Agnes had sent it in the mail? Maybe it came as a gift package from an old acquaintance? But one way or another, it's gotta go. And the only fitting way to get rid of a dessert you can't stand is not to throw it away, but to throw it as far as you possibly can. So for the past 20 plus years, locals and curiosity seekers alike gather on January 3rd in an open field to see who can throw a fruitcake the farthest. or, yep, catapult or slingshot or cannon blast it the farthest. How did we get here? How did a cake steeped in history and tradition, tied closely to the Christmas celebration and often soaked in booze no less, how did it go on to become so widely mocked, the butt of so many jokes and, yes, shot from catapults? Because when it comes to fruitcake, haters gonna hate. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. The earliest form of fruitcake goes back to the ancient Romans, though their version bore little resemblance to what we know today. They'd combine barley mash, pomegranate seeds, raisins, and pine nuts, and mush it all up and shape it into cakes, quote-unquote. They were more like what we'd now think of as an energy bar, a portable source of calories with a long shelf life, and in fact, Roman soldiers would take these with them into battle. The actual word fruitcake goes back to the Middle Ages, as do the first versions of it that we'd recognize today. Containing honey, spices, and dried fruit, it was part of a larger trend of fruited breads showing up in Western Europe as dried fruit became more widely available. And it was expensive to make, so it was usually for special occasions like celebrating the harvest. Up till this point, fruitcake has no special connection to Christmas. The next step in this evolution came in about the 17th century, when sugar became more affordable and widely available. And because of that, candying became a common way to preserve fruit. Soaking fruit in a sugar syrup not only sweetens it and gives it its telltale bright color, but it also makes it last pretty much forever. And candied fruits became a readily available option to add to fruitcakes. Around roughly the same time, it became common to load them up with nuts as well. The result was something heavy and rich, and some even called it sinfully rich, and when they said that, they really meant it. 
So much so that fruitcake was actually banned for much of the 18th century in continental Europe. And it wasn't doing much better in the newly formed United States. One anecdote, possibly apocryphal, tells of George Washington receiving a fruitcake as a gift, but refusing it on the grounds that, quote, it is unseemly for presidents to accept gifts weighing more than 80 pounds. It wasn't until the next century that fruitcake really found its people, because the Victorians just loved the stuff, and not least of all because of their key contribution to its evolution, which was to preserve the cake by dousing it in alcohol. No proper British tea would be complete without a slice of fruitcake, and it became a popular wedding cake as well. Queen Victoria herself served fruitcake at her own wedding, and a superstition formed that any unmarried person who placed wedding fruitcake under their pillow would dream of their future spouse. And it became popular with any celebrations, including Christmas. Now, as for how fruitcake became associated so strongly with Christmas, it's hard to identify a turning point. Just like sugar plums and eggnog, fruitcake enjoyed a long history of being popular in its own right, but sometime between the 19th and 20th centuries, and especially here in America, it became more or less exclusively for Christmas. Okay, now given that it survived all through the Middle Ages, that's an entire millennium, you know, and then enjoying another 400-odd years of increasing popularity, becoming so popular that an entire continent thought that it should be banned for being too good and being endorsed by royalty. Given all of that, what happened? How did we turn the corner so quickly and so thoroughly that fruitcake became the butt of so many jokes and the recipient of so much open hostility. Indeed, there are a lot of really bad fruitcakes out there. That's Isabel Kirk. You know, I eat fruitcake all year long, <laughs> and I eat it all day long. And she's the blogger behind Mondo Fruitcake, a site dedicated to defending the honor of the much-maligned dessert. And for sure, there is a lot of bad fruitcake out there, much of it arriving on the scene right around the time people started hating it. I'm referring to those mass-produced mail-order variety that came around in the early 20th century. Many people's first and last experience with fruitcake was a dry, flavorless doorstop of a cake that showed up in their mailbox. And maybe the final nail in the coffin came one night in 1985. I blame Johnny Carson. He's the one who did that... Uh that joke back in the day about having just one fruitcake and it just gets passed around from person to person. Many of us grew up thinking we're just supposed to avoid the stuff. According to one survey, 47% of people say if they received a fruitcake, they'd end up throwing it away. Another 11% said that they'd try to find someone to pawn it off on. Remember Harry from just a few minutes ago? Well, he found himself overseas one Christmas for military service when his grandmother sent him a fruitcake. Nobody wanted it. <laughs> I mean, I offered it up um, because I, I had other baked goods. And uh, so my roommate and I, you know, we had we had some friends over and uh, yeah, nobody, nobody touched it. So back into the fridge it went. Well, it sounds like what we need is not less fruitcake but better fruitcake and possibly a rebranding campaign. We think if fruitcake was called Boozy Nutcake, it would fly all off of the shelves. I think people would really enjoy it. <laughs> That's Andrea Ballard, and she's one half of the Preheated podcast. Hi, this is Stefan Cohn coming to you live from London. And she's the other half. And the idea of calling it something else is not without precedent. 
Many people once referred to it as plum cake, not because it was heavy on plums, but because plum was a common phrase referring to any kind of preserved fruit or anything sweet or desirable. I touched on that topic in my episode on sugar plums. Check it out. But in addition to calling it something else, we also need to experience it as intended. We should just be feeding the world homemade fruit cake, and, and we'd all have converts, I think. I might say that a higher ratio of cake to fruit. You know, when a fruit cake is done well, you slice it and it looks like little jewels. I think it's just a beautiful dessert to have and to appreciate. So this Christmas, I have a simple, humble request. Give fruitcake a chance. Personally, I love the stuff, and maybe that's because I grew up loving it. And returning to the pleasant sights and sounds and tastes and smells of yesteryear is a lot of what Christmas is all about, because it helps to keep us connected to the past and the things that matter most to us, which is something that Dwayne in New Zealand knows something about as he shares in this Christmas memory. One decoration that I loved on the tree was a set of golden bells about six centimeters high. Nothing special as far as tree decorations go, but for some reason, I just love these things. I think it was because my mum loved them too. I lost my mum about 20 years ago. One of the items that I wanted to keep as a remembrance of her were the bells. But somehow, over the years, when I wasn't living at home anymore, the bells disappeared. I was very disappointed and sad we no longer had them. And for years, I tried to find something that was similar to replace those bells. It was only two years ago where I found six golden plastic bells that were very similar in shape. So for two years and for every year to come, those bells have pride of place on our tree and remind me of Christmases my brother and I, my mum and dad had as children. Now my wife and I have also tried to instill a great Christmas experience for our kids. They are teenagers now and they have grown up with Christmas lights on the outside of our house as well as on the inside with me talking Christmas all year and it wasn't uncommon for them to hear Christmas music through the year when they were younger and get a little confused as to what time of year it was. Dwayne is the host of Tinsel Tunes, a podcast that's all about Christmas music. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts or at tinseltunes.com. Now, I would love to share your voice with the rest of the Christmas Past family this season, so why not send me one of your Christmas memories? It's not too late, and all you have to do is record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail on my Google Voice line at 650-394-7162. Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks to Harry for sharing his YouTube video and for coming on the show. Thanks to Andrea and Stefan from Preheated and Isabel from Mondo Fruitcake. Thanks to Dwayne in New Zealand. And as always, thank you for listening. Well, a lot of people to thank in this episode. You'll find links to Mondo Fruitcake, Preheated, and Tinsel Tunes in the show notes for this episode at christmaspast.media. If you like the show, there are a couple of simple ways you can help out. Tell one friend or family member to come check me out or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference in helping more people find the show, and I'll even send you a sticker to say thanks. You can email me for more details about that. This show is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network, a collection of the best Christmas podcasts around. 
Ones like It's a 90s Christmas Podcast, the podcast bringing you back to those magical Christmas mornings as a kid. Join hosts Lyle and Lassa every week as they relive the movies, specials, and TV episodes that made the 90s merry and bright. Find out more about It's a 90s Christmas Podcast and all the other great Christmas Podcast Network shows at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. As for me, I'm everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel. Come check it out. That's where you'll find all of my Christmas trivia game videos and a whole lot more. The best way to find me in any of those places is to start by coming to christmaspast.media and scrolling to the bottom of any page. But hey, as long as you're there, why not check out all of the quizzes, infographics, articles, interviews, announcements, giveaways, and whatever else I decide to come up with this season. Again, that's christmaspast.media. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again next time for more stories from Christmas Past.